Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you for tuning in. And uh, where have you been? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Hey, thanks uh, for sharing the podcast and especially for your prayers. Um, two parts to the podcast today. We've got a special guest as an author uh, coming on the first half, and then we'll get into the headlines. And uh, that recent story, particularly about Jack Phillips being sued again, being dragged through the courts. I mean, he's been in the courts, the Colorado cake baker. And he's a grandfather, by the way, since 2012. So going on, what is that? I'm, I'm not that good. In, okay, 11 years. Even I can figure that out. So he's been dragged through the courts. We're going to talk about that a little bit, plus a few other stories and around the news. And I've got a book in my hand that we're going to be discussing in segment one. It's called Bridge of Love, 30 True Stories of Faith in Action by Pamela Walk, W-A-L-C. Okay. Before we get to her, I want to remind you to check out Red Pill Prints, our friends near, uh, actually, they're, they're not the ones in Toronto. They're, I keep saying that. I keep getting them. Harbingers Daily. Thank you, Harbingers. They've been uh, just doing some great work, and we really appreciate their support of this ministry. But Red Pill Prints, you can get some cool gear, T-shirts, hats, coffee mugs, uh, hoodies, all kinds of stuff at uh, standupforthetruth.com slash gear. Or if you're on our website, Stand Up For The Truth, just click on one word, and that would be merch, M-E-R-C-H. Okay, we're really excited. I've been looking forward to talking with Pam. Um, today's guest, author, speaker, and survivor of stage four lung cancer, Pamela Walk. Hi, David. She, hi, I'm good so morning. you asked me to be on. Oh, uh, well, <laughs> we're, we're blessed to have you on the podcast, and... Before we get to your book, and I know that was uh, such a tedious faith-testing journey for you, just birthing this book and finally getting it in hand, getting it published, I want you to share your story with your health battles because a lot of people listening can relate. Either they're going through something, they've gone through something, or they have a loved one. Uh, You are also, by the way, I want to mention you live near beautiful Niagara Falls, in New York, you used to work at the, um, what was it, Buffalo, uh, Erie County Medical Center in Buffalo, but uh, you are a caregiver for your mom as well. How long have you been helping her? And tell us a little bit about your um, your health trials that you've been through. Sure. Yeah, so, um, well, first of all, I've always been a, a very healthy person in the sense of, you know, very active, go to the gym. In my 20s, I probably went to the gym six days a week. Um, and even in my 30s, 40s, I'm now in my 50s, um, I still, you know, always went to the gym several times a week. Um, I didn't, I mean, I wasn't super into my diet in the sense of, you know, like, uh, I did eat a lot of meat, I will say that. But I, you know, just a healthy person. And then I had some battles over the years. This latest one, though, um, is probably, you know, the hardest probably that I've ever experienced. Um, in August of 2021, I was praying for my mom, who's 94. And yes, I live with her. Um, we hire aides, but, you know, I'm also here to help 
when I am, you know, when I can. And uh, so I pray for her in the morning before I go to work, and I, I also pray for her before she goes to sleep. So I was praying for her one night, and I felt short of breath, and I thought, that's really weird. And then the next night, I felt short of breath. And when I laid down on my bed to go to sleep that night, when I breathed in on inspiration, I could hear crackling in my chest. And I knew right away that is not normal. That's like a, that could be a sign of congestive heart failure. So the next day was Monday. I immediately called the doctor, went up there to see a nurse practitioner who I'd never met before. She basically dismissed it. She said, oh, honey, you're fine. There's nothing wrong with you. She listened to me with a stethoscope, and that was it. Mm. And I said, are you going to do lab work, a chest X-ray, anything? And she said, no, you're fine. It's just allergies. I go, allergies? Wow. I don't even have a sniffle. Yeah. So I didn't accept that. I just, I did not feel right about it. So when I went home that night, I actually stuck my phone in my mouth. And when I breathed in, I could hear those crackles. I tape recorded it. And then I know my doctor, my primary, he was away in Colorado. I sent him the, the, um, the recording. He listened to it and I said, don't you think I need a chest x-ray? And he said, yes, you need an immediate chest x-ray. So the next day I went for a chest x-ray. They thought I had pneumonia. That didn't help. I just couldn't breathe. I was very short of breath. And to make a long story short, I ended up um, in the hospital. They took out a liter of fluid from my lung, my right lung. Then I ended up going to Cleveland Clinic on Wings of Hope, which is an airline thing that does, you know, like they take you in the Northeast. Mm -hmm. And they did genetic and biomolecular testing on me because I've never smoked in my life. I'm a non-smoker, never smoked one cigarette. And it came back um, a couple weeks later that I had a genetic mutation. So they put me on a medicine in September of 2021. It's a pill. It's called a target drug, and it's called Tegresso. So I take 80 milligrams of that once a day. It's, I've got multiple alarms on my phone set. Um, I cannot forget this medicine. So I take that, and then that was in September of 2021. I've taken it every day since. And then in the meantime, my lung was still filling up with fluid. So I had three more lung, no, four more lung taps where they go in. It's called a thoracentesis and take out fluid at a hospital. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up having a semi, semi, um, like a catheter put in my lung. Um, and the nurse would come out every other day and take it out. So I didn't have to keep going to the hospital. And that went on from November until March of 2022. And, um, you know, I had probably 40 lung drains. It wow. was really a rough ride. Mm. Um, it was, you know, I couldn't believe what I was going through. And then in the meantime, my mom was hospitalized for a month. And that was really a um, horrifying experience because they weren't giving her her meds. And mm. there was just so many errors up there. And I was, you know, the secretary from work was driving me up. And, you know, I was looking at her and it was just a, a horrible scene. So I couldn't wait till she came home, which thankfully she got out of there alive. Um, But she did come out on a Hoyer lift. She was 100% unable to do anything. And here I'm a physical therapist. I've been one for 28 years, but I can't do the lifting and everything because I got a lung drain in. So we had therapy come out and everything and she's doing well now, but it took, it was a couple months, uh, definitely several months of rehab and just a lot of sleepless nights getting up all the time and helping her and it was just a really rough year, and right now um, I've had every I get a CAT scan every three months, mm-hmm. and the last CAT scan showed stability. Um, the first CAT scan, actually, after I started taking the medicine, the Tegresso, showed significant improvement, which is great. But then the last, um, I don't know how many I've had, three or four, have shown basically stability. So they still see something there, 
but it's not worse. So, okay. and I'm also still with, I'm at Roswell in Buffalo now. They're treating me. Roswell Park um, Hospital is a cancer institute. And then I also am involved with Cleveland Clinic still and also Sloan Kettering in New York City. Wow. Just because I like to have their input to make mm-hmm. sure everything is going correctly, I guess. Um, but that's that's where I am right now. So I don't have a long drain in anymore. Praise and God. I retired from my job as a physical therapist in November of 2021 because obviously I couldn't be treating patients um, with all this stuff going on. So, yeah. you know, that's that's where I am. Well, thanks so for So I'm thankful that. to the Lord that he has been bringing me through yes. this, you know. Well, so. uh, we need to mention uh, you attribute, you know, your current state and your health uh, be- to prayer and acting in faith. So it's not just, I mean, some people, uh, when they get, I mean, you stage four lung cancer, not even a smoker. And uh, here you are, you know, speaking to us and um speaking about your book and I really want to encourage people to check out Bridge of Love and let's let's get into that right now before I I mention more about the book I also want to tell people you've you graduated with a master's degree from Dallas Theological Seminary you've taught bible studies mm-hmm. you've worked with the homeless served on multiple overseas missions trips and you've done a lot and God is definitely using you um, so mm-hmm. the book, Pam, when did you start writing it? Did you accumulate these stories and experiences through the years, or is this more recent? No, these were accumulated over the years. Mm-hmm. So as I was working as a PT and just, you know, just doing my everyday life all these years, I probably started it about 15 years ago, and mm-hmm. um, I just started writing about, like, different encounters I had with, especially with evangelism, when I was sharing the gospel with, you know, a Muslim or a Hindu or a Jehovah Witness or a Mormon. And I just started documenting it, like how it happened. And I was going to writers group meetings. And that was actually really helpful because you had a deadline, you know, you had to keep writing and Mm -hmm. you'd have a deadline, they'd rip it apart and, you know, say, oh, this would, you know, whatever. And I got to become a better writer. And then I started sending the um, articles out, the chapters, and getting published in magazines, in Christian magazines. And that was great. You know, I probably had over 20 published in Christian magazines. And But I really wanted all from the beginning to write a book. It's just it was easier for me, though, to write the shorter chapters. Sure. And, yeah. and honestly, like as they were happening, I thought, you know, years ago I used to read chicken soup books. And I remember how you could <laughs> read like they were all short stories, and I really liked the format of that. So that's that's basically the format of my book. I mean, it is in chronological order for the most part, okay. but they're all different chapters on faith and also evangelism. So 50% are faith stories and 50% are evangelism. So yeah. I want to ask you about the cover. The, the book is called Bridge of Love, 30 True yeah. Stories of Faith in Action. And you've got a picture of what you tell the readers. It's hell Gate Bridge, Hellgate Bridge. Right. Why did you decide to use this bridge on the cover of your book? Yeah, so the cover designer, Kara Starcher, who's excellent, by the way, she, you know, I really wanted a bridge on the cover. I, I've always loved bridges before I was a Christian. After I was a Christian, I've always loved bridges. And then I used to do the bridge illustration sometimes, which is the gospel message of how Jesus is the bridge mm. between us and the Father, when we trust in Him alone as our Savior. So I would sometimes draw it on a piece of paper, and I learned it down in Dallas when I lived there to, like, sixth graders. You know, we would do the bridge illustration (laughs) to them. And I thought, this is a really easy way to understand how we cannot be 
saved from, you know, from the wrath of God, from hell for our sins um, by our own works, but only through the grace of God through Jesus. And I thought, I really want to do a bridge illustration. So Kara kept saying to me, well, what kind of, you know, what do you want the bridge to look like? Do you want a covered bridge? Do you want a wooden bridge? You know, and I must have looked at hundreds, <laughs> hundreds of images wow. on Google and <laughs> just nothing was hitting me. And I basically thought, what is the matter with me that I can't figure this out? <laughs> so I just gave up. I said, all right, Lord, I, I basically surrender. I give up. You have to show me which bridge because I am just clueless here. Mm. They're all just like the same to me. <laughs> well, a day or two later, I'm sitting, I, I walk in the living room and my mom's there with an aide and they had a TV show on. And I don't know, I didn't particularly care for that show. And I said, let's put the news on. So I switched the channel, put the news on. And there was literally a 10 to 15 second blurb of a story happening in New York City. And it was not on a bridge or anything, but there was a bridge in the background. And for some reason, I looked at that bridge and I said, that is the bridge. Mm. Like, just something internally in me just knew that was the bridge. Now, I had no idea what the name of this bridge is, because, but I did know the story was on New York City. So I, you know, I go to the internet and I search it and I type in um, bridges in New York City and literally there it pops up, the same exact looking bridge. And I look at it, and it's called Hellgate Bridge. And I go, oh, my goodness, that's kind of creepy. Like, <laughs> why would I pick a bridge named Hellgate Bridge? And it was so funny because I was talking to my um, a friend of mine, Anna, and I said, you know, I really believe that's from the Lord, but why would I get the name of a bridge called Hellgate Bridge? So she looks at it, and, you know, she, she read up on, you know, what the history was, and she's like, Pam, she goes, that bridge saves people from the treacherous waters below. You know, it, it's actually a really good thing, and that's why they call it Hellgate Bridge. That's so I funny. thought, you know what? This is perfect that's because excellent. Jesus saves us from from our sin, our treacherous, you know, mm-hmm. sins, and also the bridge is red, which is really like you know the blood of Jesus. It's it's just kind of cool. I know it's not exactly red on the cover, but. Um, you know, if you actually went to New York City, it, it is more of a reddish color. Yeah. And I just thought that's the bridge I want. So that's, that's how Kara ended up putting that on. <laughs> great cover. Great cover. Now, be, yeah. I, I want to make sure we get this in before we run out of time. I'm going to jump to the back, jump sure. to the back of the book. Five lessons I've learned during sickness or going through trial. I One of mm-hmm. them really piqued my interest. Uh, number one, make God your refuge and strength. And um, pray, ask for help. Also, give others your prayer requests. Don't be ashamed to ask for help and ask for prayer. But I want to jump to number five. Very important, because for those who are dealing with something, limitations of any kind, number five, and this is under what you've learned, um, do what you can, even though you may have a disability or an illness. Share a little bit about that. Yeah, you know, I I just think some people, um, and I don't mean we don't have, you know, I'm not trying to be unempathetic or anything, but God gives us joy when we use our gifts and talents. He really does. Amen. Like just like me being on this this show right now. I mean, when you're using your gifts and talents that that God really wants you to operate in, you will feel joy, and that actually is sort of a healing thing for you too. Yes. So when you use the gifts and talents, no matter where you are in life, whether you know, even if you're sick laying in bed, you can pray for people, right? Yes. I mean, you can pray for people. Or if you're, you know, nobody in this life, it says, you know, is immune from trouble. And sometimes we go through sicknesses, sometimes we don't. But when we are still going through them, 
he can use us, you know. I was writing. So, yeah, I thought, is this book ever going to get finished? <laughs> and my mom was in the hospital. I'd bring my computer in, and when I could, I just kept working on trying to get it, you know, together for the publication. And I just kept doing it. And here I got a lung drain in, and I'm still working on it because wow. I thought I really want to get this book out. And I know that, you know, if it even impacts one life for the Lord, it's worth it. So I, drew, I truly believe that everyone has gifts and talents, and when they use them, they will actually feel better, you know? And I don't mean going crazy and trying to get everything done, because I've done that, too, and you can't do that. Um, sometimes you do need rest. Sometimes you do need other things. But, yeah, just just using yourself for him and, you know, and let, I don't know, let him go where it goes with, with what you've done. Amen. You know, I just, uh, yeah. Well, I, I'm just picturing you in the hospital there, uh, you know, typing out, you know, more one of the chapters as, as you were going through your own uh, health trial. All right, let's jump to one of the stories. Uh, tell us about long-haired Larry. Okay. Yeah, so Larry I met when I was living in Chictawaga, which is um, just outside of Buffalo. It's a it's a suburb off Buffalo. And I, w- I would see him walking in with, you know, lots of cans in his cart and all that, and that's what started and his hair was all the way down to the floor. And I thought to myself, oh my wow, you know, <laughs> this guy is, uh, you know, obviously homeless looking. I mean, he had on, you know, just very old clothes and just really did not look kept at all. But I felt bad for him. And, you know, it's freezing up here. I mean, you know, it's always so cold in the winter. And so in Buffalo, Niagara Falls, this whole area is cold. So I thought, wow, this is going to be a hard life for him. So eventually I started talking to him, and then I would see him in McDonald's drinking coffee, and then we, you know, I, I finally walked over. I said, hey, can I sit with you? And I just started talking to him. He was always like usually one word answers. Um, he wasn't real conversive, but I did give him my name a bunch of times. I gave him a phone number to call if he ever needed anything. I offered to take him to, you know, put him in a taxi and take him to a homeless shelter or anything. And he'd say, no, no, I'm all right. And then um, as the years went on, this, is, <laughs> this went on for like 20 years, um, I ended up, you know, moving to Texas. And, you know, I'd say, Larry, I'm, I'm going to be praying for you in Texas. I go, do you remember my name? He's like, yeah, Pam. And I said, okay. And um, eventually, you know, a lot of Williamsville, Chictawaga knew this man. And I had no idea the impact that he had made on the community. Um, So many people had known him. They would leave their cans out for him. And, you know, they would, they would give him food. And, you know, they all knew who Larry was. And then one time I was driving to work. I had moved back from Dallas and I was driving to work. And, you know, just, I don't know, I don't know if the Lord just put him on my heart, and I was praying for him. And then that night, I got on to work, and I turned the radio on, and I hear that Larry had passed away. Mm. There was a horrible, um, like, freezing ice storm kind of thing, and he was sitting in the bus stop, and he froze to death. And uh, I guess one of the hotels had offered him to give him a, you know, a a night in the room, and he had declined it, because he's kind of always, he seemed like a stubborn man, you know, he wanted to do what he wanted to do the way he wanted to live his life and he was frozen to death and uh i always kind of thought that he was going to end up probably like that somehow because of the winters you know and uh it was very sad but at the same time i don't know where he is i mean i did share the gospel with him a bunch of times and he had shaken his head yes that he trusted in christ so i do you know i hope one day i will see him in heaven but it was just it made an impact on me because I realized we can't change people. Um, the Lord can. We can pray for people, but it's still their free will. And we still, you know, accept, accepting him the way he was 
because initially I constantly wanted to change them. Like, hey, Larry, let's, you know, what about a studio apartment? What about this? What about that? And, you know, sometimes you just have to accept people and just, you know, just keep praying for them. And, I, you know, hopefully they'll change, and sometimes they never will, unfortunately. Mm. Yep. So God uses us. Long here, Larry. Yep, God uses us to pray for people. He brings people along our paths. There's a quote, I think it's by... Oswald Chambers, or it's either him or Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, it goes something like, um, uh, help us never be afraid to allow ourselves to be interrupted by God. So in the midst of our busy day going somewhere, there's a divine appointments. There are many possibilities, I think, in every day of our lives, but we miss a lot of them. I do. And so let's be better at that. But I want to ask you about one of your shortest chapters in the book, and that's the Walgreens parking lot. Very interesting <laughs> about the guy coming up and asking to, to wash your, your windshield. Tell us about where you were at, the mood you were in, and how Billy Ray impacted your life. Okay. Yeah, so I don't know. I just had a lot going on in my life when I was living in Dallas. Uh, you know, I had a boyfriend up in Buffalo, and I was just having a little – just issues with different things. And I was just kind of feeling sorry for myself a little, a little bit depressed that morning. Mm -hmm. And I really didn't feel like, I don't know, I just felt blah. And I went to Walgreens that day to get something. And as I'm walking in, this man walks up to me and I thought, oh boy, you know, of all days, it's, and again, like you said, that's exactly what the issue is. Sometimes God gives you a divine interruption in life. (laughs) And he walks up and he says, he says, hey, can I wash your windows for a dollar? And I'm like, yeah, go ahead. So I, I walk in the Walgreens and I, I'm in there a little bit and I come out and I see him drying them with newspapers. Well, I don't know anything about the car industry. And and I said to him, um, and I said to him, you know, what are you doing? And he goes, oh, he goes, I'm just washing, you know, drying your windows. That's what you do, you know, drying your windows with the newspaper. I said, okay, as long as they're not going to scratch. And he goes, and he goes, well, I do notice, though, that you, your wiper is split. And he goes, and you're going to get a, um, you know, a scratch on your window pretty soon if you don't get this fixed. I said, really? So I said, okay. So we went, I met him across the road, and he got me a new wiper and everything and put that on. And we ended up talking about Jesus. And he had a picture of Jesus in his um, wallet, or not in his wallet, in his pocket. And I just said, you know, I, again, he was another homeless person, and I don't know how he got where he did. He just said he prays to the Lord all the time, and I don't know if he has addictions or just whatever, but it was just an interesting conversation with him and just how he changed my mood around because I went from being kind of down in the dumps to realizing that, you know what, (laughs) there's a lot of life out there to live, and I don't want to keep thinking inside but outside. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. So, well, yeah, t- tell it us, was an interesting conversation. <clears throat> tell us an experience about someone, perhaps it was a patient you knew in the hospital when you're working in Buffalo. Yeah, um, well, when I was working in Dallas, I'll, I, I do remember Greg. Um, Greg, actually, I walked in one day, and, you know, he was waiting for therapy. He's like, oh, you're finally here. And I said, and I had never met him before, and I said, yeah, we just, you know, we're overloaded with patients, and we started talking, and he had AIDS. Um, he was very thin, mm. super thin, um, did not, you know, did not look well. And we started talking about just like, I don't know, the Lord. You know, I just started asking him where he was in his in his walk and um, just like if he had trusted ever in Jesus. And I don't even know exactly how the conversation started, but, you know, I always heard once from Kirk Cameron, if you start 
in the um, physical realm, like just, you know, the average physical realm and kind of swing it to the spiritual. Because a lot of times conversations will not come up mm-hmm. unless yes. intentionally you put those out there. Yep. You know, and I don't mean like in a weird way, but just kind of like a, a casual way. Like, hey, do you go to church anywhere? Or do you have anybody in your life that, you know, can help encourage you or, or something like that? And then it can start a conversation about where they are in their belief system. Well, Greg and I spoke for a while and, you know, and we did speak on the the fact that we're all sinners and that we need the Lord, but also the fact that he told me he went to a gay church. And I said, you know, the issue with that is if you look at the Bible, the whole Bible says that it is wrong. Both the Old and the New Testament call it a sin. Mm-hmm. Just like heterosexual sin outside of marriage, you know, like if somebody's, you know, um, partaking in sex outside of marriage, yes, that's also a sin. But I said, you know, to go to a church that endorses that is is definitely not oh the goodness. right thing to do. Right. And we talked for you know we talked for a while, and he ended up um he asked me for a Bible, and he actually prayed to receive mm. Christ, which Excellent. was amazing. Like I I really didn't think that was going to happen, but he did. And then he also it, it was odd because I I used to write for the newspaper. It's called the Jot and Tittle for Dallas Theological, which is no longer um out there. They don't have it anymore. But I had an article, because I had just gotten published, and I had an article in my little binder that I carried with me, and it was, it was you know, I just happened to see there was another, you know, there's a lot of articles in there. And one of them was on a woman that had um, turned from her homosexual lifestyle and, you know, left that lifestyle and was now pursuing Jesus and was going to DTS, Dallas Theological. I said, would you like to read this article? I'll leave it with you. And he's like, Sure. And so we ended up, like I said, he ended up trusting in Christ. I don't know what happened to him after that. Um, sometimes you have, I have brief times where you can talk to people and it's just like a one-time thing. Other times I can continue to see the person and that's great. And of course I took the time off the clock that I talked to him. So I didn't do it on work time and then, you know, just not, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I took the time off the clock for talking to him, but he really appreciated it, you know, and I never forced anything. If, if a person wants to talk, great. I taught a, um, a Bible study at the Erie County Medical Center for six or seven years every other week on the behavioral unit. And that was great, too, because, again, it opens up the conversation to people. They hear the Bible. They hear the Word of God. And there's just a lot of volunteer activity or opportunities out there if you pray and you ask the Lord for direction. Mm. You know, I Amen. mean, wherever you are, Amen. you know. So I want to remind people that the book is called Bridge of Love, 30 True Stories of Faith and Action, other than Amazon.com, which I've seen it there. Uh, Pamela, where else can people get it? Yeah, you can get it um, online at Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, um, Walmart, and then some local stores in western New York right now. Okay. It just got published December 5th. Wow, so, it's brand and, new. Yeah, so it's it's new, but I'm excited about it. I just... Like I said, I hope it impacts people for Christ, and I hope it encourages them. I had a patient who said she used to sleep with the chapters because <laughs> she said she was so, like, you know, just anxiety-prone and everything, and she would read the chapters over and over again. I said, wow, you know. And I thought, I really need to get this book out there. So I really hope it does, you know, that people enjoy it. Well, I want to mention we didn't have a chance to get to these questions because we're almost out of time, but you have two chapters on a missions trip to Africa. You've gone on 
How many trips uh, to uh, Zambia? I honestly don't know if it's seven or eight. I've gone oh. on seven or eight mission trips. <laughs> wow, now. I, can't, I, I was trying to add them up the one day. And that, yeah, seven that, or eight. those <laughs> have really impacted your life and your desire to, you know, share the gospel right here in the States, right? Yes. Mm. And I never wanted to go on a mission trip. That's how the Lord changed my mind. I okay. never wanted to go. You never wanted to yeah. go and it ended up on seven or eight. Um, yeah, Pamela, well, I love them now. Thank you, thank you so much. Um, it's been great getting to know you a little bit, you know, through social media and then our emails and messages, and and just a blessing to have you on and just share your heart, share your stories and what you've been mm-hmm. through, and and your heart really to reach people for Christ. And I, I thank you for what you do, and we pray God's blessings on your ministry, and people can get a hold of you and connect with you on Facebook as well. I'll put the link in the blog today at Stand Up for the Truth. Dot com. Anything else you'd like to share before we let you go? Um, no, not really. I just, like I said, I just want people to know the Lord and mm. to make Him known. Amen, sister. Yep. Thank you so very much, and uh, we'll we'll be in touch. All right, Pamela. Okay. Thank you, David. Thanks. All right. Have God a great bless. Bye bye. Okay. All right. all right, friends. Again, the the book is called Bridge of Love: Thirty True Stories of Faith in Action. Pamela's last name is spelled W A L C. Okay. A lot of interactions that bring a, a lot of conversations that will help you and your conversations with people uh, in the book, uh, multiple exchanges with stories of homeless people she's met through the years, patients in the hospitals, nursing homes, just meeting friends at parties or stores. She had one story in there, one chapter about being invited to a uh, holiday party. I believe that was at a Mormon's uh, home. So uh, a lot of helpful you know, stories that you can go, okay, I know someone like that, so maybe that'll help you open up a conversation about the gospel, the, what everybody needs, salvation through Christ alone. Uh, guys, when we come back, we're going to start, well, we've got some headlines to go through before we get to uh, that update on the story on Jack Phillips, the uh, legal battle he's been in recently over a transgender cake. More on Stand Up in just a minute. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Got to share a scripture that uh, just we could have shared in the last segment, but it came to mind while we were hearing from Pamela Walk. Um, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously. That's James chapter 1. It's interesting, um, why would James put that at the very beginning of his letter to believers? Um, you know, because Christians go through trials. Um, it's not, I know that's not a popular thing to say. We're on this planet, we're in this world, not of this world, but we're in this world, and we do go through hard times, we do go through trials, we do need God, we do need faith, and we do need others, and we can't pretend that life is wonderful. Um, when I was taking a positive thinking course back in the late 1980s, yes, back then, I could tell you some of the people I was in, into back then, but I won't, in early 90s, someday, we'll talk about that. Well, I was taking one of those courses, and I remember someone's response to the question, um, how are you doing, or how are you? 
the, the, now remember, this was a positive thinker. This was, this was a, a speaker, public speaker, and was you know promoting you know positive thinking and just being up all the time, right? Um, the response to "How are you doing?" Fantastic, but I'm improving. <laughs> Jeez. So, in other words, fake it till you get there. But sometimes we don't get there because life is not always fantastic. You cannot always live a, a wonderful, wonderful, blessed day, uh, having every need met in your visions, you know, that you visualize things and they come to pass and everything you say, you can't speak positive things into existence as much as some people might think the Bible teaches that. Um, so it's dangerous to go down that road, but let's have this reality check that we are to be uh, striving to live the abundant life. You know, Jesus said in this world, um, he said, I, I've come to bring life and life more abundantly. And he also said, it might be in the same chapter, but don't quote me on that. He said, um, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world and in me, you can have peace. Well, I want to share something before I get to a few of the headlines that um, Pamela put on her Facebook quite a while back. I pulled this up actually last month. For those who don't know, and it's just a meme. It says, karma, not of God. Praying to the universe, not of God. Feeling someone's energy, not of God. Having positive vibes, not of God. Wishing someone good luck, not of God. Mother Nature, not of God. And it could go on and on and on, but it says, mixing the Bible with New Age religion won't get you to heaven. Jesus Christ is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. No man gets to the Father except by him. So stop mixing this worldly garbage with the Word of God. Actually, that's attributed to someone uh, named Jay McCainy. But I thought that was really good. <clears throat> A lot of things that people do and say and habits we we hear words, you know, we hear things spoken and we at maybe even at church sometimes and we get into these phrases and start repeating them because they seem spiritual and that's they're not biblical. So just be careful. This is my quick caution there. Now I want to share this story that caught my eye. The headline Palestinian terrorist opens fire outside Israeli synagogue on International Holocaust Remembrance Day. You didn't hear about this in the media. But um, a Palestinian gunman opened fire outside an East Jerusalem synagogue Friday night, killing seven people, including a 70-year-old woman, and wounding three others. Seven people dead, three others wounded, before he was shot and killed by police. It was the deadliest attack on Israelis in years and raised the likelihood of more bloodshed. Why haven't you heard anything from the should we say anti-Israel Marxist media? You know, the, the answer is in the question, right? The attack which occurred as residents were observing the Jewish Sabbath came a day after an Israeli army, or I'm sorry, an Israeli military raid killed nine Palestinians in the West Bank. U.S. Ambassador to Israel, Tom Needs, N-I-D-E-S, Nides, Needs, he said a horrific, horrific act of violence at a Jerusalem synagogue. I'm shocked and disgusted at this terrorist attack on innocent people, including, including children, uh, praying for all the victims and their loved ones. And um, 
this is sickening, but it's not just the fact that someone does this and hates that much, but to do it on that day, on International Holocaust Remembrance Day. Wow. So I just want to make sure you are aware that these things are happening because uh, you probably didn't hear that in the news. I'm, I could be wrong. <clears throat> now, Utah, you might think we, we shouldn't have to do this in America, but yes, we do. And my question is, why don't other states do this? Utah Senate passed a bill banning gender-affirming care for minors. What the heck is gender-affirming? Well, it's not godly. Um, Utah is likely to become the first state to ban gender-affirming medical care for transgender minors this year. The Senate approved a bill Friday that would bar minors from receiving these surgeries. Minors, did you hear that? Minors receiving physical mutilation, uh, cosmetic surgeries, and place an indefinite moratorium on their access to puberty blockers and hormone therapy. They call it, the left and the Democrat Party calls this gender-affirming medical care. We call it, well, you can call it all kinds of different things. It is abuse. Yes, it is abuse. And this is minors. You know what a minor is, right? Not an adult. The bill now heads to the desk of the governor, um, who became the second Republican governor last year to veto a bill that bars transgender students from playing girls' sports. Huh. So a Republican governor vetoed a bill that barred transgender students. You know, there, there's just some headlines that don't make sense. <laughs> the Daily Wire says uh, if, if the governor does approve this, the bill will immediately go into effect. However, it would not stop teenagers already on puberty blockers or cross-sex hormones from continuing their current delusion. I'm sorry, current procedures, it says. So just to know that these things are going on and other states hopefully will be having these debates. I, I know we shouldn't want, we shouldn't have to do this, but we have to do this now because of where we're at, because of how far we've allowed um, just things to go in our country. And, and that's that really sad. It should sadden us as Christians. Um, yeah, we could have been teaching creation and gender and so many important things all these years. <clears throat> and um, when they first came out with trying to redefine truth and then redefine gender and male and female, the roles, because I don't know how, if someone has done this research, let me know. Email comments at standupforthetruth.com. How far back does the acronym LGBTQ or LGBT, how far back does that go? Because notice, remember, I, I said this when I wrote my book in 2017 called Redefining Truth. I put in a, one of the chapters there is a timeline of transgenderism in America that started in the 1950s with the first, quote, sex change operation. So how far back does this LGBT go? Because the, T, the T was there. The T was there for decades. Remember now, it just wasn't rolled out until the corporate world got involved and started changing bathroom rules and dressing room and locker room rules and schools, public schools. They needed a few decades to promote this ideology. The public schools did and the media 
and then came Caitlyn Jenner. You know, Bruce, he changed his name to Caitlyn, and he, and he was the poster child for this movement. And by the way, what's, what's interesting is um, Caitlyn now says, he, he really said in an interview, he, it's not fair that biological males compete with biological females in high school or college. I'm going, wait, wait a minute. That's a confusing message, isn't it? Caitlyn Jenner. If you don't know who that is, he won the decathlon in the 1970s at the Olympics uh, as Bruce Jenner and even made the box of Wheaties cover uh, the front of the box of Wheaties. Anyway, let's go over to this story that I've had on my desk for a couple of weeks. I just want to mention it. There's an uptick in the occult. An alarming proportion of young people are using crystals and herbs, and they're following spiritual teachers. According to Springtide Research Institute, 44% of young people, 44%, what is that young people, between 13 and 25 years old, engage with herbs, crystals, as a spiritual practice. Um, This was in the State of Religion in Young People 2022 report. And it underscored the reality that young people today are finding alternative sources of religion and spirituality in an era of rampant secularism and less attachment to Judeo-Christian values. I think that's a great sentence right there. That explains a lot. So young people are searching. They need something. They don't know it's God. They know it's something in their lives. They need help. Some are more fearful than they've ever been. Suicide attempts are off the charts in the last decade, particularly in the last, you know, three years. So young people are searching. They're thinking spirituality. They're thinking something outside themselves, some divine power or help. But it says there is the the rampant era of secularism and less attachment to Judeo-Christian values. So what happened? Remember in 2020, we allowed the government to to, uh, deem the church in America non-essential? What was essential? Remember that during COVID lockdowns and all that? Churches were not supposed to meet because we were super spreaders at church. But sports, there's some sports that took time off, but um, abortion centers stayed open. You know, hardware stores, you know, grocery stores, gas stations, and you, why didn't we see, let's just, let's just take Walmart, for example. They never closed. Why didn't we see, how many people are, are in an average Walmart in an average day? Thousands coming, go, coming and going. So let's talk about the employees there. In an average Walmart, I don't know, 150. If you talk about shifts throughout the day, every shift, every position at Walmart, let's just say a hundred. Let's go conservative. Why haven't we, why didn't we see during COVID, you know, um, body bags outside of the Walmart, all the employees dying and having to hire new employees because Walmart employees were dying because of the super spreader. They were a super spreader. There was hundreds of people coming and going there and gathering and they were, you know what I mean? Uh, it's, anyway, on to the next one. Now, this is my article for this week. Activists uh, won a legal battle to force Christian Baker to make transgender cake. We mentioned this a little bit last week. We touched on it. But I want to just dive into a couple things here. Jack Phillips was originally, a, you want to say targeted, in 2012. So he's been in the courts for 11 years. 
Because, and in his town, there are other bakeries. <laughs> so that, that at the time, that homosexual couple could have gone anywhere. They could have. They could have gone anywhere else other than his cake shop. But because he said, no, I don't feel comfortable um, promoting this, quote, same-sex marriage ceremony, making a, a cake using my artistry for this cause. You know, so they, so they sued him. Anyway, 2018, he won a partial Supreme Court case after he was sued, uh, but legal battles continued and appeals and things like that. So now, in 2019, just three, four years ago, a man who changed his name to Autumn Scardina demanded that Jack Phillips create a transgender cake with, uh, I guess, a pink cake with blue and white frosting, it, the transgender flag, to celebrate his self-professed professed, uh, sexual identity. So Phillips obviously said no and uh, filed a complaint against Masterpiece Cake Shop. And so the recent legal ruling was that Scardina won that battle. And you, you, can't, you kind of go, wow, poor guy, Jack Phillips. But he's not the only one that's been targeted. So Alliance Defending Freedom is representing Phillips. They are going to appeal. ADF Senior Counsel Jake Warner said, one need not agree with Jack's views to agree that all Americans should be free to say what they believe, even if the government disagrees with those beliefs. This is a good reminder for us, friends. We may, might not be dragged through the courts, but remember Acts 5.29, Peter and the apostles said, we must obey God rather than men. So um, here we are, right? Here we are. And we can now look ahead and understand Christians in America are starting to be discriminated against even more. And it's going to be increasing. Some might call it persecution. Some might call it, you know, other things. But, yeah, it's happening. And there are some activists, not all people who are on that side and the LGBTQ ideology, not all are evil or, or wicked, but they, they are involved in wickedness. It's, the Bible calls it sin. So, and if you go along with a transgender to affirm them because you don't want to hurt their feelings, you're doing them a disservice. Um, what else in this, in this article? So here, the judge in that case, Timothy Schultz, he authored the panel's opinion concluding that Jack Phillips violated the Colorado Anti-Discrimination Act. The court said a state that, or a state law that makes it illegal to refuse to provide services to people based on protected characteristics like race, religion, or sexual orientation does not violate business owners' right to practice their religion. Wow, it seems like they collide head on. But this judge said, no, no, it doesn't violate, you know, their religious freedom or their rights. Uh, so the left suggests that those who disagree with them on this issue object to the, to the idea of this transgender person wanting a birthday cake that reflects his status, even though he's going by her. Uh, they, they think that because if we disagree with that, we are objecting to the existence of transgender people. Well, we can't object to the, they're out there. 
they're dealing with this, but that doesn't mean they are who they think they are or they are becoming a different sex or gender, right? It doesn't mean that. It just means that, yes, there's a, there's a human being struggling with this ideology. I mean, if you th- think about how TV commercials can program you, can, can influence a person. You see these things. I was singing this stupid Daisy Cottage Cheese song in the grocery store when I walked by it, and I had to buy a couple of them, and my wife just laughed at me um, when I brought them home. I looked, hey, look what, look what kind we got this week, and I, I sang the jingle. I mean, I, you don't hear it that often, but it's enough that it gets into your mind. They're promoting this stuff. The more they put this stuff in front of young people, thinking that this is just something you have to decide now, what gender you're going to be. The schools are, oh, I shouldn't. We we have a lot of teacher friends of this podcast, and I know their hands are tied in the government-run education system. There are a lot of people that go into education with good motives, with the right you know, goals. to They really care about children and want to educate kids. But how do you do that? When God has been removed, the biblical worldview is expelled, and you can only go by the curriculum that comes down from the mothership, the National Education Association, or the United States Department of Education. What do you think they're pumping into the public schools, into the school districts, through the teachers' unions that are political entities? Um, and it's just astounding. Our taxpayer dollars go to fund this so we've talked a lot about, about about that. But I'm just trying to help you connect the dots to see how does this all, what does this all have to do with this new couple, a transgender this time, suing Jack Phillips to make a cake in his, his bake shop? Why doesn't he just bake the cake? That's a very important question, and you should never really want to hear the answer to that because it will affect your life somehow down the road then anybody can tell you what to do on your time, with your business, in your free speech, in your expression. You might call it religious expression. They they can call it something. They'll call it hate. You call it living my faith according to what I believe. They call it hate. What was that quote again? Um, you object, you Christian, you object to this person's status as a transgender woman because you object to the existence of transgender people. The underlying point, you just hate them. You're intolerant. And yet who are the ones that are suing Jack Phillips when they could go to any other bakery in the, in the city, right? So unfortunately, this is not going away, friends. Um, and I just feel bad for Jack, who's a grandfather, and the Alliance Defending Freedom denounced the decision and they will repeal um, they will appeal appeal <laughs> considering part of a broader campaign of harassment against Jack Phillips by the way Colorado officials began targeting him in 2012 they actually misused a state law to force Phillips to say things he does not believe and they can't do that to American citizens they can't do that they can't you know well, you can't tie someone up and force someone to Repeat, repeat the party line against their will. That's not freedom, is it? No, that's not. So what, what was that other case? I, um, 
so the th- there was a three judge panel of the Colorado Court of Appeals that ruled against Phillips. In essence, they suggested it's wrong on religious grounds to refuse to make any product celebrating transgenderism. It's wrong on religious grounds to refuse to make a product, like in this case, a transgender cake. Man, so much for live and let live, right? (laughs) I know. I know, but this is where we are, friends. This is, this is what we have to remember. We, we have to love them. And by loving them, we will tell them the truth. Loving is not affirming. Loving is not giving approval to their lifestyles. Loving is not looking the other way or being silent. That is not loving. The loving and compassionate thing to do is to be concerned, number one, for their soul. Number two, to defend and protect the truth, the truth of Jesus Christ, the truth of God's word. That includes Genesis, the truth of creation and gender. I think this is a good time to pull up, um, got to pull up my, my Bible here. Mark, Mark chapter 10, or Mark, is it Mark 9 or Mark 10? I think it's Mark 10. Um, so yes, it is Mark 10, starting in verse, uh, let's see, 6. But from the beginning of creation, this is now, this is Jesus affirming God, affirming creation, affirming gender, two genders, binary, affirming science. Actually, science affirms the Bible. This is Jesus now, so you gotta deal with Jesus. It's not just the Old Testament. Jesus quotes this. He said, but from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female, period. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. He's talking about the unity of husband and wife, male and female, man and woman in marriage. And then he says in verse 9, What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. So Jesus said, God made them male and female. For this reason, that's, and and they, they quote this at a lot of weddings and uh, marriage ceremonies. And we just have to recognize this is the truth. But we have departed from this truth in our culture. We, and we, we just better be careful, friends. We don't know how to respond to these things. So I've got just a minute left. I just want to go to the calendar here. We're just so blessed with all the many people we get to have on this podcast. And I... Even people like Pam that I just didn't know that well, but I got her book and just what a heart for God and the truth and the gospel. I just just love people that are putting it all out there. They have problems. She's a caregiver for her mom, stage four lung cancer survivor. She's had 40 lung drains, and here she is uh, using these daily interactions with people to just try to give them hope. And I pray that I would be better at that, and I hope you guys – would pray that as well along with me. So I want to mention uh, Friday, we've got Mike Gendron. Thursday, J.B. Hickson. You will hear from Jonathan Brentner on a replay podcast Wednesday. Tomorrow, we've got Seth Gruber, a professional public speaker focused on equipping Christians and equipping pro-life advocates. He's got a, an amazing ministry. He's very bold in his presentation. You, I think you might appreciate uh, his voice tomorrow. Seth Gruber will be back with us. So will Mary Danielson be in studio. 
Thanks again, guys, for sharing the, the podcast and your prayers. God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.